This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. In this episode, I'm joined by Vin DeCiani, founder and CEO of Affiliated Monitors, and we take a look at some of the problems and potential solutions to employees working from home and being isolated, and also the use of ambassadors in your compliance program for remote areas to more fully operationalize your compliance program going forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode. Today, I have with me Vin DeCiani, founder and president of Affiliated Monitors. Vin, first of all, welcome back. Hi, Tom. How are we doing today? Good. Vin, I've had the chance to visit with you uh, in the past, but now we are in mid-August um, in the coronavirus health crisis. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I had thought that uh, we would be moving into a greater reopening in Q3 and Q4. And now I've come to the conclusion that uh, this is not going away and this is going to be the way things are going uh, into the future. And so with that sort of background, I was wondering if uh, you might be able to share with us some of the things not only you are seeing right now that you and your colleagues and your clients are having to deal with, but also instead of asking you about Q3 and Q4, I may ask you about 2021 and where we're going to go with that. So uh, maybe with that, what are two or three of the top challenges you, the team, and more importantly, the people you are working with uh, have right now? So what we're seeing, um, you know, from the um, vantage point of isolation, <laughs> and we are all isolated, um, is uh, staying connected. Um, and I know you've heard that, and and people talk about it in that, sort of that general sense of just staying connected with people. But I'm seeing it and we're seeing it in, in a couple of different ways. Um, and it's, it's, you know, again, it's here for the foreseeable future and for compliance folks. Um, I think it's a great challenge. And, and I'm going to talk about sort of people working remotely and that might be people from headquarters working remotely, but more importantly, um, entities that have subsidiaries that are really remote and having those people work remotely. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, um, I, I see it as sort of two or three great challenges. One is just the idea of isolation. The fact that um, people are still connected and identify with the company. You know what I mean? And I think that that is sort of ingrained, yet they're working in different environments, which creates different challenges. You know, I, I, you know I've been talking to lots of people who have families now at home and their kids and they're trying to educate them. And so they're distracted, you know, from the regular business. You know, sometimes they're educating their kids during the day and trying to do their work at night. 
Um, and so the focus gets lost a little bit, I think, on compliance and or just the, the norm of working in an ethical environment because of those challenges in terms of isolation. That's number one. The next one is just this lack of direct connection um, between the individuals who are remotely located. And again, if you use it and just take it out, you know, remotely located from remote locations um, who are, again, not intimately involved in compliance. It's compliance that comes by once a year, you know, like a, uh, like the, like a, an annual training and that's their compliance, you know, involvement in a given year. Those are the people that I think are most at risk because they are not part of the culture to any great extent other than getting their annual training. And, and so you know, that's the second issue. And then the third is, Compliance folks um, communicating with those people who are remotely located. And what we see way too often is communication by email um, and email out to the masses, wherever they may be. And it's a great message and it's well-intentioned by the compliance officer. It's beautifully composed and it is assumed by the compliance officer that it's reaching people and that they're opening the email and that they're reading the email and that their lives are changed by the email and that their behavior is going to change by that email. And it's such a, I think it's a false assumption that people are opening the emails um, and then reading them and absorbing them. I, I think that, if you really uh, asked people in the field, and we have, and we're still doing this through our focus groups that we're doing with our clients, they're still not opening the emails, you know, and they're not getting the message. And so there's this disconnect in terms of communications that I think has just been exacerbated by this current, um, the, the current, you know, working environment. People are not necessarily getting connected back to the home base. Um, and I want to blame email. Um, and again, I think it's, it's, it's sort of that mixed bag. It's, it's, you know, you want to send out the message. You want to make sure you're touching everybody. It is a, a message that you have to send out universally, but people aren't getting it. So what we have seen, if I can try to address some of these issues quickly, um, is you can't, a compliance team can't rely on, on email. It, it just has to be more personalized touch and now more than ever. Um, and you got to build in, and I don't care if it's every day or once a week, team meetings, uh, personal email, uh, personal communications through phone calls, Skype calls, Zoom calls. That's the only way you're going to touch people, um, where you can see them and you're hearing from them and you're getting responses. Sorry about that. And you are... Um, Hearing that they are, um, they're on top of things, uh, you know, and I think that that's a very broad way of saying that the communication effort right now has to be improved, um, and it it, it it goes across companies, um, you know, even personally with my company. One of the things that I have done since March is, and we're uh, we're not a big company, um, but I talk to everybody on my staff every two weeks. And I make it a point, even if it's just a 10-minute conversation, to say, hello, how you doing? Let's talk about this. What's going on? How's the family? And here's something that I'm thinking about. What do you think? 
Um, very important. Um, and um, I don't know if you're hearing that from other compliance officers around the uh, around the world, but that communication piece right now with the isolation um, is 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 crucial. You know what? Actually, I found most interesting about your observations, Vin, is March 15, April 15. The conversation was we're working remotely, and now August 17, at the date we're recording this, these are the specific problems. These are the issues that we have identified, and uh, literally from isolation, from lack of direction because of working remotely, and a uh, not failure in communications, but perhaps insufficient communications, all have arisen as problems, but they're all, um, I think, things that can be addressed. I do, and, yeah. and you spoke uh, about that direct uh, communications. I've heard others talk about they have a still have a, a daily Zoom team meeting, mm-hmm. uh, or at least every couple of days, and they they force that connection. So it's really interesting that um, what was perceived to be one problem in March, in August. Now you you just identified three, and there are probably many more we could talk about. So uh, it's interesting to see this evolution. Well, now, Vin, if we could maybe change the focus a little bit to that veiled land of the future, um, 2021. And one of the things that I've really come around to thinking is this is the new normal. And as we move from things that we used to talk about in terms of uh, business, uh, excuse me, disaster recovery to business continuity to business as usual, uh, what are some of the things that you see down the road that we are going to be doing on a very regular basis because of COVID-19? Well, you know, sticking with this this uh, notion of people working remotely and that continuing, and it might be another year, Tom, when we're still doing this a year from now, um, I, I think that um, compliance officers can't get out and do training. They just can't. They're not going to do it. Um, and they can't visit remote locations. Um, and so one of, the, one of the things I think is going to be a very important um, consideration um, that compliance teams need to recognize is this whole idea of ambassadors and the cascading kind of messaging that is crucial to get out. Um, you know, compliance officers and compliance teams for a lot of companies are, are relatively small. And they might have, you know, thousands of staff uh, people um, working out there. Um, and it's them and their two, three deputies, right? Um, I do think that the notion of having somebody in the remote location who is more of the, I'm going to call it an ambassador for lack of a better word, but you know what I'm talking about. Just somebody who is the compliance officer representative out there, be it in, you know, Singapore or in, you know, um, with a company headquartered in New York, Tampa, just having that somebody that the compliance officer can reach out to into that remote location, um, who is the ambassador that is either echoing the message that the compliance officer is pushing out or is sending out the message that the compliance officer is pushing out. You know, we talk about uh, ambassadors, uh, 
when the company is really sort of dispersed across the across the globe. But it's such a good idea right now for compliance officers to be thinking about that. Um, and it, it takes what is sometimes, as we, we know, sort of siloed compliance, and it brings it out because these ambassadors might be working in HR. They might be working in, in the factory, on the factory floor as a manager. Um, and it, it expands the compliance team's reach as needed right now. And it does two things. It, one, it, it takes the compliance and the corporate message out into the field. But the other thing it does is it's giving the feedback back from the field back to compliance. And, and that's huge. I mean, just getting the temperature of what's going on out there by having an ambassador who's on the ground and is talking to people on a regular basis is crucial for the, for, for information, for feedback, you know, back to the compliance team, which then can work its way up. Uh, but I think that's crucial as we go forward. And not enough companies do that. I think some companies that um, have created ambassador programs really understand it and how beneficial it can be. Others have not taken that step, you know, and they're still in, in a silo. So that's my thoughts for where we can go. Uh, that sounds to me a lot like fully operationalizing your compliance program by driving the compliance messaging to literally the front lines. But the second part of that, that many, I think, uh, compliance professionals don't think of is that feedback. Absolutely. And now we have that feedback. And if I could overlay the 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, where the DOJ said it's continuous monitoring and continuous improvement based upon information. And you don't get any better information than those on the front line. Absolutely. You know, one thing that we do as a company, and I, and I think you and I have talked about it, is we work with some companies proactively. They're not in trouble. They just wanted the independent assessment. And so what we will do is on a regular basis, we'll visit a remote location. Now it's a little bit different um, and we can still do it, you know, via Zoom, but visiting remote locations to get that feedback, you know, that sometimes the uh, compliance is not getting, um, you know, through this through the independent it really works. And, and the, it's amazing how the company benefits from hearing from its people and from its people hearing, you know, from it um, through the eyes of an independent. So it, it really does work. And I do think it's going to be something that's going to be needed, you know, as we move forward into 2021. Well, Ben, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. Uh, I wanted to thank you again. And perhaps as we move into the fall or even 2021, I might, uh, call upon you for uh, some uh, thoughts on where we might be at that point in time. Absolutely. Always, always good to talk to you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This is the only B2B podcast which brings clear and sane information for both the compliance professional and a business executive. If I could ask you uh, to do one thing, if you could tell one person about this podcast, I'm trying to get the word out uh, about this most unique podcast in the Compliance Podcast Network. So if you could tell one person about it, send them a copy, send them a link, do something uh, to help me publicize this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance and Coronavirus is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it appears Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.